tomorrow is coming whether you want it to come or not. So it's a matter of you getting into alignment to realize that this day will end soon and that a new grace will start tomorrow. And I will have to continue to walk tomorrow in where God has called me to walk, even though I don't necessarily know all the time where I'm walking, but I know who's walking with me. Especially now in this day and age when normal is not normal anymore. It is abnormal. And to the Christian, that should be a breath of fresh air because when is it ever supposed to be normal? What is normal? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says this, if you are afraid of people, it will trap you. But if you trust in the Lord, he will keep you safe. Trap. And most people, if they're honest, have been there before where they have submitted themselves to people out of fear and it's trapped them. Not only physically, but emotionally, that they're still dealing with the scars of that trapping now. And, and if you know anything about hunting, you know what trapping is. Hunters will go and they'll lay traps out for their prey overnight or for seasons and they will come back after a certain time to see what has been caught in the trap. And they put all sorts of things in the trap, things that they know that the animal's gonna like, so they can just touch it, and once they touch it, it's over. You know, that's how the enemy works in your life. Trapping you all the time. Trying to trap you in your thoughts. You know how it is. It's not a matter of what thought comes in your head. It's a matter of what the thought does if you're not careful. Because your thoughts are your thoughts. They come in. No matter how irrational they are, you have to learn how to subject them according to the obedience of Christ so you don't get trapped by them. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to act on it. And you have to have enough sense and enough of the Holy Spirit inside of you to say, not God i got to lay that down and move on. Because you will be tested in your mind. The bait, the lure is going to come in your mind, and you're going to have to fight it. I have a rod over here. I'm not a fisherman. I've fished about five or six times in my life. It's extremely boring. <laughs> extremely boring. But every once in a while, when you catch the fish, it, the rush of power comes in. You're like, I got one. And you could be reeling, and you could be reeling, and you could be reeling, and all of a sudden it's like a four-pound fish. You're like, I spent all that work for that fish or seaweed. But this is what the enemy does. He puts the bait at the end, and he casts it into your sphere of influence or drops some stuff into your head. When you're at a low point, so you can start to think about things that are not God's perfect will for you. It's a lure. That's what it is. And if you're not careful, you'll take the bait and you'll start to mull over it and you'll get caught by it. It has nothing to do with you not seeing it because most Christians, if they're honest enough, see it. I see it. 
I see the fact. I know where my weak point is. I know where I get tripped up. But still, they take the hook sometimes and put it in their own mouth. You see it. And you take it. You know the thought process is not beneficial for you. You know where it takes you, but you still follow it. You still follow it. Don't do it, baby. You're going to go down. Anxiety is going to come back up in. You're going to start to second guess everything you do. Don't do it. And still what we do, well, baby, this time will be different. And it's not. Every single time you end up trapped. Lord's faithful, comes back in, pulls you back up. But there is a realness to this because there are people all over the body taking bait. Uh, church life isn't easy. Let me try something else. Staying married, it's not easy. I'm going to try something else. Being single was better. I'll be honest with you. The times that that thought has come into my head, quickly surrender that thought because it wasn't all that great when I was single because I was still getting trapped. Just because you have someone doesn't mean you're in the right place you should be mentally. Just because you don't have someone doesn't mean you're not. So in everything that you do, we do it under Jesus, but what has God called you to do? I don't care if you're being blessed. I don't care if you're in the valley. I don't care if you're going up the mountain. There's always going to be some sort of trap that's going to be laid out for you. Always. Always. And it's going to come in the fear of man. Because you have to be careful that people don't dictate how you live your life. And whether or not you like to admit it or not, it happens. Because you don't want to be thought of as crazy. So there are things that you don't do that you probably should do. Because you're afraid of the response of people who are closest to you. Because we do it in the name of love. Well, I love that person, so I don't want to offend them. Since when do the two have to go together? There are things that God allows in my life that I get offended by. It has nothing to do with God not loving me. It has everything to do with that is motivated by love, and God allows it in my life. I have to see it differently because God's not going to change. I have to. In fact, God will continue to press the issue until it's dealt with. And when it's dealt with, God will move me on and graduate me, and I'll move into another level. And thank God I've gotten to that point where I've gotten to new levels and have to experience new levels of trap. So if you think in here, Lord, dear Lord, just go ahead and deliver me. I just want to help you understand that there's new levels. There's new trap games <laughs> up top. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I won't be successful, Lord. Just bless me. Okay. And you get up, and then all of a sudden you get accolades and acclaim, and you crumble under the pressure of it because you have no root, no foundation. Lord, give me what I asked for. Didn't Israel do that? And he said, well, before I do do that, just let them know what this king's going to do. And they still shouted, classic. We want to be like everybody else. When they were called not to be like everyone else. God was supposed to be sufficient for them. 
But God said, okay, I'll let you see how it is, and I'll allow it. But just so you know, this is going to be the result. Sure enough, it happened. And sometimes God will give you what you want just to teach you a lesson. Lord, I want it so bad. I want it so bad because I don't want to be alone. God, I don't want to be alone. Please, I want it. And God said, man, you really don't want it. What you really want is me, but you're not mature enough to recognize that I'm all you need yet. And it's not until we go through some heartbreak and some stuff that doesn't work out that we finally realize, I'm going to praise the Lord because of what he did. Thank you, Jesus. You were right all along. But sometimes it's a hard road. And no one said that this life was going to be easy. Jesus did not promise it. But what I'm going to tell you is this, that the more you walk with Jesus, it is near impossible to also fear people at the same time. You can't do both. Because Jesus is going to have what he's going to have. He's going to have you eventually. It's a matter of how long it takes for you to get there. Some people right now are laid up in the hospital because of this very fact. They feared man over fearing God. There are some people who are in the hospital who don't need to be there. If they would just change their perspective and their lifestyle, things would change. But because it's easier to be taken care of than to actually do the work to be better, You'd rather have someone do it for you than you do it yourself. And so, and what happens is, is that you end up spending thousands and thousands of dollars on stuff that you probably could have corrected with the Lord's help. No one's discounting people get sick. No one's discounting hardship. This is life. What I am saying is that have you put yourself in a position that God did not intend you to be in? Because it's easy to be a victim. Everyone likes it. They like it. It's because what it does is it shifts responsibility away from you and puts it on someone else. Well, you hurt me. You hurt me. Well, you ruined my childhood. You ruined my life. You did it. So what's the theme here? You. 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 So, but it had nothing to do with you. If I put that much stock into people and how they feel about me, I am missing out on the freedom that Jesus died to give me and where my identity should be. If, if I can't have identity in Christ, then I want you to think about it for this weekend. My wife's been gone for like three days out of state in Georgia with my daughter Lexi at a huge cheer competition. If my identity wasn't rooted in Christ, I'd be a basket case. Right? No, just seriously. But that's not me. Because I know who Jesus is. I know who I am in Christ. But some people are not like that. Every 10 minutes, how you doing? Oh, I just talked to you 10 minutes ago. All I did was go to the bathroom to get something to eat. What's going on? You good? Fear of man. I'm going to make sure you're good. I'm good. No, I'm good. Are you good? And that's the question you should be asking. Are you good? So question one, what are you hooked on? What are you hooked on? I'm not talking about the normal stuff. Well, I'm hooked on. No, what are you hooked on? What is in your mouth right now that is pulling you 
and you can't see straight. And it's cutting you up. And you can't get the hook out of your mouth fast enough because it's just driving you crazy and moving you in a position you don't want to be in. Pulling you. You know that's what happens when someone gets on a hook or a fish gets hooked. They are no longer in control. They can wiggle all they want, and sometimes they get out if they're smart, but a lot of times, once you get them really in, it's over. Now it's just about the chase and about reeling them in, and sometimes it's harder, and this is what the enemy does. He knows once he gets the hook really in, he's got you. And I'm wondering, what does he have you in right now? Some of you, it could be you're just dealing with stuff still from past relationships that still have you in bondage about the way God feels about you. And you can't have a healthy relationship because of the way you look at your past relationship. That's not dead yet. Some of you are married to a few people while you're married. You can't get them out of your head. And God's trying to help you deal with this stuff, and it's hard because their hook is still in your mouth. And it's hard for you to understand that the person you're with actually loves you and values you. I'm not saying this is in every situation, but hear what I'm saying. And so it's hard for you to actually have a relationship and be free because you're still bound to him. Or you're still bound to her. And every time you start to move forward and get healthy, their thoughts and what they said come back in. That's, that's the hard thing about being divorced and having multiple partners. Because all your secrets are left with them, and you got to live with the regret. That's why people ask me, and well, does God forgive? God forgives and, and God does love. But I'd rather just get it right and it'd be hard. I'm just being honest with you. Than have to go back through a cycle. Ask anyone in here who's already been healed of it, what would they rather be? On number three or four or working it out with one? What are you hooked on? I used to play baseball growing up, love baseball. Probably one of the most difficult sports to play. You're trying to hit a ball coming in at 85, 90 miles an hour, moving in all certain directions from 60 feet, six inches away without fear of being hit with a wooden bat. And trying to figure out how you're going to do it. And there's certain ways you have to stand in the box and certain elbow height, and you got to make sure you're looking at the pitcher because he's throwing out things, and you try to pick up the ball coming out of the hand. A lot of things going on in like 0.4 seconds. Okay, it's not a matter of this is softball. Where come on, get here. <laughs> where you're trying to figure out how it's going to curve. And I, I can remember growing up that there was a, a legitimate fear that people on my team had of the baseball. Had of the baseball, that they were going to get hit by it. And one of the coach's sons on my team had a legitimate fear of being hit by the ball. And finally one day in practice, I remember him saying, the coach said, I've had enough. Go up against the backstop. He goes up against the backstop. His son is sitting right here. He's over there. He starts taking baseballs. <laughs> Throwing them at him. Throwing them at him. Trying to get him over the fear of the baseball. Because if he didn't get over the fear, every time he got in the box, he'd be out here. You can't connect with the pitch coming in if you're out here. You got to get over your fear of being hit, people, if you're going to connect with what's coming in. Because it's not the fact that God's not speaking to you. It's the fact that you're not really connecting to what he's saying because of fear. 
Because God will ask you to do things that are going to take you away from man so that you can connect with him. Are you okay being with God and connected, or are you so enamored with the crowd? Here's the other thing that you got to be real careful of, especially with baseball. Can you imagine, it's not just that fear, but fear in the crowd. You have to have a sense of who you are in that box because of the fact that there are people calling you names, telling you that you suck, telling you that you're not going to do anything. I mean, people who are heckling you, and you got to be okay, strong enough mentally to be able to get in the box and do your job. And this is the difference between following Jesus and following the crowd. That hitter is on center stage. All eyes are on him in the picture. And if you're a Rays fan, the 800 people that are in the stands <laughs> looking down at that person, it's not that bad. I'll give you 1,200, okay? When the White Sox come in town, it's about 800, right? So, okay, if they, if they pay the bills. Okay, so they're in, in the box, but you got to be okay. You got to be, okay. be strong enough to do God's will no matter what you're hearing. How are you going to stand alone? How are you going to stand for Jesus when you're still hooked by what someone's saying in your crowd or by what someone said 45 years ago and it's still coming up? You can't follow Jesus and do what God's called you to do. And every time that voice comes up, you step out of the box. It's like, we got to get back into the box. We got to hit. This is what used to happen when we grew up. We had a tendency, and I had a tendency to do this. Just give me some examples tonight, all you baseball fans. Well, sometimes as a player, especially a young player, we used to step like this and hit. And they called us stepping in the bucket. And it was impossible, almost impossible to connect solidly with the pitch because every time we did it, we would dip, our hips would open, there'd be no power coming through. And it was a fear mechanism because we were afraid that if we step forward, something psychologically would happen that we might get hit. There was something about it. We had to get over the intimidation of the fact that that ball might come in and hit us. And it was a real fear. But eventually, you have to get over that fear because you might get hit. But does that stop you from swinging? A lot of people it does. I'm going to get hit. He's going to ask me to do something hard. I can't do it. You might as well just take the hit, get over the fear of how it's going to feel, and do it. How, how, can you play, how can you play at life and do life when you're fearful of being hit? How, you can't. I'm afraid I'm going to get into divorce. Keep that mentality in your head, okay? You'll never step out and get married. You'll never step out. I'm, I'm just afraid, and so I'm afraid of being successful, what that looks like. And you got to just be okay with the fact that God might bless you. He might, and that's God's heart is to bless you and to raise you up. But some people want to stay down. Lord, no, it's too much responsibility. I want to stay down. And so what we do is we keep ourselves boxed in because we don't want to be blessed because in our head we've got some warped thought process of what being blessed is. Lord, I don't want people, I don't want them to look like I'm so uppity up. And God says, what do you care about fear of man? Lord, don't bless me because I'll look at my car. So? And people psychologically, they love the valley. They love it. They love, they love the valley, and they're afraid of the mountaintop. Because once they get there, 
once they get there, they're afraid that they're going to fall. And the valley, just like Eric said, is a comfort zone. At least I could, at least I could be irrational in the valley. At least I could be a victim in the valley and no one will bother me and I'll be comfortable. And God said, that's not my best for you. Are you hooked on pain? One of the other things that you see in hospitals is that people who get hooked on pain medication. I don't want to feel pain. Where in the opposite is that they need to probably feel it, get over it, and move through it so that they don't get hooked on something that medicates them from the real issues that are going on. Some people, most people in the body of Christ don't know really what they're feeling because they're hooked on people. And when God begins to take people away, because that's the biggest medication for people, he begins to go to work. When people you love begin to say things about you, that's when he's really going to work. Because that's when you know, oh, this thing is serious. God's like, yeah, it's serious because it's between me and you. You're so hooked. God forbid you disagree with one of your family members. You've grown now. So God forbid you say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to do this. What's the response? What are you hooked on? And let's not, let's not lie about it. Most of y'all know that the family of origin stuff is big here. You know that. We've talked about this for seven years now. I'm still being healed. I still have a hard time standing up for myself. And God's like, we got to eradicate that stuff because if we don't, you'll never recognize yourself as a son or a daughter. And it'll always be vicariously through someone else. That's why God's asking you to do stuff right now that's hard and difficult because it's separating you. It's separating you. Are you still tied to something that God's been trying to cut for years? And for some of y'all, it's difficult because it's not just one generation. It's generational. And the enemy's thrown that, that lure, not just in your generation, but back. Back. And as he's pulling it in, it just so happens that you're the next generation that he's wheeling in too. So, you know, if there's alcoholism in third generation, you just might get swept up in it. So now you now you got it. Right? And now he's picking it up. But you can break that in Jesus' name. If poverty was something that happened three generations ago and you happen to get swept, no. You can break that in Jesus' name. But you got to recognize the hook. If there's something inside of you that says, we're not doing that, we're going to break that off. It's Jesus' way of telling you, hey, folks, we're doing something different because I want to set you free. Hooked. Hooked. You know, I'm not hooked on nothing. Just wait this week. <laughs> Just wait. It's coming. All of a sudden, it's going to come up in here at the moment. Unopportune times. You and the Lord are having a good time. You got a little fellowship going on, and here comes the real. Why is this important? Because what a lot of people do is that they settle for less than God's best because that's just the way it is. I'm always going to be that way. I've always been emotionally unstable. What's the problem? People know I'm crazy. What's the problem? People know that I, I, I bounce around and I don't like to commit. People know that I love to church hop. I mean, what's, I mean, come on. So I don't have any roots. You know I love the thrill of the chase, but I don't really like committing in it. So I'm just waiting on God to just chase me down. Don't worry about that. 
And what we do sometimes, we play the games with God. I'm going to play a game with God. All right, God, if you really want me, you come get me. And we put ourselves in positions where we get hooked on purpose. You really want me, you come get me. And God's like, don't play with me. There are people who are not here today physically because they played with God. Two weeks ago, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira. Quickly, Lord took him out. We don't think God is as serious as the Bible talks about, so we play around. Until we realize that God is serious, until we get a diagnosis, we're like, uh-oh, I need Jesus. Until the pain is so deep, they were like, oh, I can't function because that one hurt. And now you need someone to lean on because they're not there anymore. And you thought they were with you, but they're not. And all of a sudden, your whole world's rocked. Or babies who have been born and they die too soon. What do you do? Because you thought you had a strong foundation and you realize I really didn't because I was just playing. I'm hooked on it. I'm just, I'm hooked on it. And that's why some churches aren't full because just give me the entertainment. We're hooked on entertainment. Just hooked on it. Hooked on it. Likes, dislikes, what's going on, just hooked. I can't tell you how many people that I see in their downtime. I'm not saying for work, because, you know, most of us work and we use our phone. I'm just saying just on a downtime. You see this? The whole thing. Oh, my God. You see that video? I can never do that. Whole thing. That's what they do. That's what they do. Swipe. Oh, my God. Do you see what he did? Do you see Taylor? Twelve times they panned to her in the fourth quarter. Did you see that? Is he really going to propose? And we get into all this stuff, and it's just we get enamored with it, and, and push comes to shove. Did he really mean to bump Andy Reid? What's going on with him? Did he have anger issues? Panda Taylor. Mm. It becomes a show. It's all a show. And it's like, and we get, it's like General Hospital, you know, Days of Our Lives. Some people just love that. It's all about the show. You get hooked. Some people love it because it's just, they love the drama that never ends. I need something to end. I need closure. I need you to die or move on. I need you to fall in love and have a kid or find someone else because I can't watch any more of this. I can't do it. If you don't catch me within the first 10 to 15 minutes of a movie, it's done. I don't care how Christian it is. I don't care if I don't care if an angel came down and said, "This is what it, this is the Lord." It's it stunk. Rework it. Because we do a lot of things in the name of Christian that are a poor representation of Jesus. Poor. No power. Nothing. But we're hooked on entertainment. Because why? We want something. We want something to draw into. We want some excitement. Nothing wrong with wanting excitement. We want to be doing things. But connect to things that you love. Connect to something that you love to do. Because what that'll do is that'll rewire you. And there's something about psychologically what it does. It just brings you back to life a little bit. And like, oh, man, I re- you know, I really do like that and I enjoy that. You know, past couple days, I've been working a lot. But in my downtime, I watch a little bit of NBA basketball the weekend. It's All-Star weekend, right? Just connect a little bit. Three-point, co- great, great competition. I'm not here. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm an advocate for the NBA. Everyone should play. No, what I'm saying is just connect it with the aspect of sports, just competitive, just liked it. 
Right? Nothing wrong with that. Connect to what you love. Because sometimes we don't like to be with our own thoughts. And don't like to contemplate what God's doing. And anything that's to distract us a moment from the turmoil. And that's the hook that the enemy does to pull you away from where you need to be. Because that turmoil might be the very thing that God's trying to show you and heal. So that you actually begin to see, hey, you're in a battle, you're in a war right now. You sense that? But because we're all over the place, sometimes we don't sense it. And God shows you, hey, this is what's going on. You need clear eyes. But if we're always doing what everybody else is doing, how are you hearing right? There'll be times just in con conversations with people that, you know, I'll have a conversation with my wife and about what the Lord's doing in her life. And I'm saying, well, he's doing something different than mine. But I can bear witness of what he's doing in yours. If I was afraid of her, and this is what people do, especially in the, yes, dear, you're always right society, is that they fall prey to the fear of man and before you know it, men don't lean anymore. Women don't serve or submit anymore because it's all about whatever you want, dear, whatever you want. That's not love. Some of y'all need to release some people tonight. And once you begin to forgive them and release them for the godlike position they have in your life, the Lord will be getting to untangle the hook. Because it's robbing you of the freedom that God called you to live in. Hey, listen, just because you're not doing good doesn't mean I'm not good. Oh, whoa, wait a minute, wait, whoa, wait, wait. No, we're in relationship. If I'm suffering, you're suffering. Because bear with one another. We all got burdens, brother. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good there. I feel good. I don't have to be where you are. I feel good. I there's a, I'm taking a little lap myself. I'm feeling good about some stuff that God's doing in my life. How you feeling? Well, good. A healthy perspective is just keep pushing. You'll get there. If both of us are down, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Someone's got to be up. Someone's got to be walking to victory. Someone's got to be happy about something. Because if you don't, then we might as well just eat. We might as well just binge drink and just call it a night. But someone's got to be, you understand that? Someone's got to be doing good. It can't all be bad. It can't. Change your perspective. You're not in a third world country looking for your next meal, naked in the streets, trying to figure out, is someone going to take me today? Change it up. We talked about tonight, get up and praise the Lord. If you get nothing from tonight, this week, that is my little mantra for you. Get up and praise the Lord. There's something to praise God about. You have a job. That's hard. Good. I don't know what God's doing. It's okay. It's a faith walk. Keep moving. Come on now, change your perspective. You're not babies. No, we got to be careful, though, Sharon, in church. We can't talk like we should talk in church because we've got a lot of babies right now. We've got babies in church. And you tell a baby something not ready for, oh, God, I'm going down to the next church. I'm going to the next church. What church is that? I don't know. It's, it's got a rainbow on it. That's where I'm going. It must be good. 
I walked in, and he talked about freedom. <laughs> I know, I shouldn't be living with my boyfriend, but I am. So, okay, cool, man. Do your thing. Entertainment driven. Question two. Is there alignment between your projected image and your actual image? Projected and actual. You know the projected image. What the world sees. What we throw up. We throw up. I'm good. Are you? Yeah, I'm good. Because that's what social media says. And that's why I see it in your Instagram. Guys, I put... <laughs> If someone would ask me, someone asked me, bro, like, how involved are you in the social media market? Like, do you, like, put stock in it? Zero. <laughs> Don't you have FOMO? No. Because what I see is not always what's actual. Oh, my God. They're in the Bahamas. I want to go. Yeah, but you know what? You don't know what they're struggling with. I wish I was them. Do you? <laughs> We're having trouble being yourself. <laughs> And you, you, want, you want them? Nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Projected image. This okay. It's okay. Just don't project something that's not real. The Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but the life I live now, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. My actual image is I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. The old me's dead. So the things that I think I'm missing, I'm not missing. Thank God that he's done a work in my life where I don't look back and say, man, I really, I don't, I don't. Because if I would have got it, it would have been God's will. If I needed it, it would have been God's will. How do I change my perspective? It's really simple. Kind of. Book of James. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Make your hearts pure, you who can't make up your minds. Be full of sorrow, cry and weep, change your laughter to mourning, change your joy to sadness, be humble in front of the Lord, and He will lift you up. But what does that mean? Actually, He's giving you perspective, giving you perspective. Don't think you are something when you are not. You actually don't have what you think you do have. So instead of walking around projecting that you're happy, why don't you turn that and say, you know what, I'm really not happy, and be honest and say, you know what, I probably need to repent about some stuff in my life. I probably need to grieve some stuff in my life because I'm still angry. And that's a process we all walk through. And then as you do that, guess what, Donnie? The Lord begins to release the hook from your mouth and bring healing and start to raise you up because you've humbled yourself. You haven't come haughty like you got it all together when you know you don't. It has nothing to do with you walking in some subservient position that people do or some people like to mutilate themselves and think that's some sort of spiritual right. It is not. Not. But being humble enough to recognize I am not God, you are. There are things that I need you to do for me that I can't do for myself. 
and only God can lift you up out of that depravity and that depression, you can. But things will be allowed in your life to get your attention. You who can't make up your minds, isn't that where we live today? Can't make up my mind. If, if there's no real difference, Malia, if there's no real difference, and we talked about this in Team Rally today, Kathy did a good job, if there's no real difference in the world and then the Christian, what does it matter what we do? Why are we here? If the light's not getting lighter and the dark's not getting darker, what is the point of being a Christian? What's the point? If there's no difference in my life in the way that I live and that people can't see the difference, just call it a day. But that's not how God's called you to live. In a world that's lost and dying, to be the light of the world and the salt. It's not the fact of you can't get unhooked. It's the fact of you not wanting to get unhooked. Because it's too comfortable. It's easier to hold on to grief than it is to release it. Or mourn. It's easier to hold on to offense than to ask God to help you forgive. Because it's your comfort every time things aren't going the way you want them to go, you always blame them and hold on to it like it's a blanket. Like, nah, it's because of them. And the reality is that they're not even around anymore. <laughs> and they still affect your life from the grave. I want you to think about that. You don't even see them. They're not here. And they still affect your life. It makes zero sense. But it's because the hook is in. And you haven't released them and allowed the Spirit of God to break you free from it that you carry a dead corpse with you. Everywhere you go. Where the joy of the Lord should be your strength, but you're still mourning for loss. Listen, I loved my Uncle John. He was a great guy. If I was unhealthy in my perspective, he'd be on my shoulder everywhere I'd go. Man, I wish he'd come back. He's not coming back. And I think sometimes subconsciously we think, man, I need the good old days. I'm waiting for them to come back. And in reality, they're dead for a reason. The relationship's dead for a reason. So if I can't dust off my feet, strengthen myself in the Lord, there's a lot of work to be done. Because I still have to move on and do what God's called me to do no matter what the circumstances of my life. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care who didn't come, who's not coming. You are grown enough. Grown enough to know better. Some of y'all have been around Jesus for a lot of years. A lot of years. Has nothing to do with what you didn't get anymore. It has everything to do with what is God asking you to do now? Get the hook out of your mouth. I don't know how to do it. It's simple. Humble yourself. Lord, this week, when I'm confronted with it, help me to deal with it and begin to walk it out. Lord, for every person in this room, Lord, still hooked on stuff. Still trying to figure out how to get it out. Still trying to wiggle it out in their own strength. Pray by your spirit that this week you'd begin to break something off of them supernaturally. That they'd begin to walk in freedom again and lift them up. 
out of that miry clay or that discouragement in their life. Lord, if it's just a matter of them saying yes to the process, help them get there quicker and just say yes and submit. We know that there's too much that you want to do in us for us to stay locked in. And God, I pray that you would go back generationally and begin to sever ties that we have nothing to do with but are affecting us today. Thank you that we can see over it because we know the Spirit of God is in us. And if He's in us, we know that there's liberty. We thank you for your faithfulness to continue to walk with us and talk with us. Thank you for the strength that you give us to say yes to the tests, plural. Thank you for continuing to build in us the fortitude and the strength to continue in the process because we know that it's beneficial for us. Lord, those of us who said yes, there's an excitement because we know that greater things are coming. We can sense it. God, thank you that even though the world might be turning away from you, we're saying yes and moving in closer to you. Thank you, Lord, that lamps are being relit. We're becoming a little more salty, a little sharper. Yeah, the things that used to trip us, it's not working anymore. We thank you, Lord, that the enemy's tactics are failing. Thank you, God, for the ability to see through them and to walk through it with confidence to know that you're with us. Let me ask you this. How many of you right now still feeling you got some hooks in your mouth a little bit? You're still feeling you got some hooks. Just be honest. I see, see some hands. See them up. Lord, as a sign of surrender, Lord, I pray that something supernaturally would happen tonight when they go home. Start it. And God, as they feel a little bit out of control, help them to trust you in those uncharted waters. As you begin to break stuff down. Take them into the deep wells of salvation so that they can experience your joy again, your peace. Thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. 